and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with another Game Week 35 review. So not long left until the end of the season. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the yellow submarine to my octopus's garden. It's uh, Andy Case. Andy, I told you, I teed you up before the, before the start of the show saying that this was a pretty tenuous, uh, tenuous intro. Um, but we are recording during the yellow submarine's uh, potential comeback in the Champions League against against Liverpool and so far it's going pretty well for them yeah as we speak they are they're 1-0 up on the night so yeah good for, good for them I mean and good for my intro well I guess good for your intro a, li- a little bit niche but I think you know you probably buzz off the fact it was a little bit niche so yeah good for yeah, you yeah well. you, yeah you got me there absolutely yeah. I mean ultimately uh Yellow Submarine I guess was was Ringo's most famous song that he sang, I think. Um, and I've just spent the weekend in Liverpool, so yeah, it got you know got that on on the mind. Octopus's Garden, another one he sang, not 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 anywhere near as good. So there you go, big compliment to you. If, you're the, if you are the Yellow Submarine, right? I see because that was a good one. Yeah, yeah I mean that that's the kind of the premise of the the intro that we that we do. I mean, yeah, maybe another connection because of the fact that they are playing against Liverpool. Yeah, there you go, right. exactly. And you were just having you were just having a conversation with me before um before we start recording. Yeah, obviously, you know, famously, uh long time listeners will know you're a United fan and it was who would you rather win the Champions League, Liverpool or or Man City? And you've got a kind of an interesting take on that one. Well, yeah, I mean I I would well, I can't say the words, but it would be it would be less horrendous but still awful if Liverpool won it than City because for City that City are so desperate to win it and they have never won it that it'd be like a huge you know dam that's broken if they if they do manage to win it so like there's a bit of me that feels a bit conflicted with this whole Liverpool game because yeah to see them go out would be great in one respect on the other hand, they'd have a much better chance of beating City in the final if City were to go through. So kind of the last thing I want is City with like a layup against Villarreal in the final. So, um, yeah, it's just there's none of this just doesn't end well, does it? I mean, also, I suppose one upside would be what we absolutely 100 percent definitely don't need is a Liverpool quadruple. Right. Not, not sure. just Man United fans, no other football fan, no one who likes football needs that from Liverpool fans for the rest of time ever, right? So I guess an upside of Villarreal getting through there is that it just puts that to bed puts well and truly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, is it? Yeah, I guess it is is a bit like uh, Sophie's choice. Do you think that your um your take on that is is one that's like shared by a wide contingent of United fans, or is that just kind of your individual? feeling yeah it'd be it'd be hard it'd be hard to know that wouldn't it i mean you you uh you're in the business of gauging public opinion and uh not football fan opinion though that's hard and much harder if only only there was an app for trying to gauge the opinions of football fans that would be a a clever invention wouldn't it very niche in joke and i think we might (laughs) have to leave that one leave that one there before we we go down a pretty horrendous rabbit hole uh let's uh, let's crack on with our game week 35 uh review as always on our review shows we'll start by reviewing our players on the radar and we'll have a look at a top differential and a blankety blank 
Uh, we will review our swimming against the tide. And before we finish with captaincy, I'll look ahead to a double game week 36, which I don't know if it is the biggest double of the season, but it's definitely, uh, definitely going to be a pretty big one. Um, let's start, Andy, then with the players on the radar. And we were pretty hot on uh, on Chelsea going into this, despite the fact that we weren't really convinced by their form. Um, but I think their fixtures look, look, look pretty, pretty nice on paper. And obviously going into game week 35, um, you know, a huge, huge opportunity against a pretty poor Everton team. But it wasn't just that Everton played especially well. In fact, I think that anyone that watches game probably won't won't have been that entertained. Don't think it was a good one uh, for the neutral. And Everton's winner ends up being pretty scrappy. But a lack of creativity from Chelsea, which we have seen from them this season. And I, th- I do kind of feel, Andy, on paper that, you know, Tuchel might be, you know, a very good manager, but just doesn't really have some of the players that I think he wants. Feels like there would be, some big upheaval there. Uh, were they not under? Oh, I guess I guess it's a transfer embargo of sorts. If I guess they can't buy players while they're under UK government sanctions or their owner is, but don't know what's happening with the sales. So it's all it's all a bit all a bit tricky at the minute. But even so, on the pitch they haven't really kind of been the force that we maybe expected of them uh, this season, and that really was on show against Everton in this fixture. Well, it was, but I mean, ain't no one going to be crying no rivers for Thomas Tuchel or Chelsea fans over their transfer spend. I mean, they have spent, obviously, I mean, they've bought, in the last two summer windows combined, they've spent, what, 70 mil on Havertz, 60, 70 mil on Werner, and about 100 on Lukaku, and still can't find an answer up front, having tried all three of them there. So, you know... (laughs) <laughs> over 200 mil on trying to solve the striker position and still not having an answer yet. Yeah, you ain't going to get any sympathy off anyone. And especially when you've let go a man who's bossing it in Serie A, uh, homegrown, cost you nothing, Tammy Abraham. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, that the uh, there's no sympathy. But whilst if no he sympathy, if he comes back, you're going to be you're going to be unstoppable on this podcast next year. If Tammy comes back to the Prem, like I think you'll probably mention him more than any other player definitely more than Batshuayi it would depend who he came back for right but anyway this is a this is a tangent I mean do you mean if he came back for Chelsea but... well no I think if he came back in the Prem it'd just be you know you'd, I see you'd I don't see, I see, it's unlikely just because of the cost that it you know the cost implications but anyway that's a that's a tangent so the problem for Chelsea regardless of the lack of sympathy the problem for Chelsea as a team and therefore uh, their players as FPL assets is yeah it all it does look a bit disjointed um, not only the lack of solution at striker but um, the injuries they've had the fact that they've got a lot of defenders like leaving now by the looks of it in the summer and obviously one of them Rudiger confirmed to be leaving um, so that that causes some weird problems in terms of like you know they were having rotation because of injuries and things anyway. And then now it's like, do who do you play? Like, what's the best for the future of Chelsea? Is, is like Rudiger's arguably one of their most solid centre-backs. But like for the long term for Chelsea, what are you gaining out of continue, continually playing him? So, um, yeah, but I mean... Um, the, the players that we'd picked out, at least, you know, Alonso and James both did start in those wing-back positions and they weren't great. Um, I mean, the team weren't great against against Everton, but them two did did kind of bomb on a fair bit. And um, so you'd, you'd, you'd hope that, I suppose, eventually they'll they'll get it together because they have a lot of talent. And, and uh, you know, against United, certainly, at least both of them were producing. Uh, Ch- Chelsea did create a lot against, against United. So... Um, it, it's a shame because with the money you put into them, 
that you know you want more guarantee i think of of, of returns rather than hope but i think there is still some hope there and, and particularly with like a double coming up now against wolves and leeds to you know wolves have just been pumped for free by brighton who don't score that many goals and, and obviously leads by by four so to, to city so yeah there's there's chances for for goals there there's a there's obviously the rotation worry though going into uh, i mean we'll get into this in our 36 preview i'm sure but but obviously um that leads game just before the cup final so that's that's a concern yeah i guess lesser and watford are the, are the other two fixtures that that, uh, that they've got this year in, in the in the premier league both at home as well those two um so yeah you may you'd hope to see a bit more out of uh, out of chelsea in in the, in the final four i think you know everton ultimately you know had a Bit of a smash and grab, and you know, with that heavily boy you know, by a home crowd. So maybe there's a kind of almost excuses to be made. Um, and at this stage of the season, you will see funny results, especially among teams that are fighting for their lives, such as Everton versus teams that have very little to play for in the, in, in the Premier League, at least. And, and that definitely is Chelsea. So there'll be one to one to keep an eye on, but I'm not sure if they were going to be completely dropping off the radar. Um, of the teams that of you know ultimately are are, are radar for the last few game weeks Andy has been heavily influenced by by the doubles and how many fixtures these teams have and and we didn't feel as though Leicester despite their double double on the horizon were one to really focus on um obviously they had Tottenham this week and uh yeah would have lost 3-0 were it not for 92nd minute consolation I guess the other added wrinkle with Leicester is very much that they've got Europa Conference League kind of front of them front of mind if they win that then it's the easiest path I think into the Europa League for them so um probably going to be one to avoid I guess in 36, we might have to have a conversation about them just because some of the fixtures you know, might be appealing, but we were definitely justified in not talking about them this week. A team that we were relatively hot on that also will have that double-double um, was is Aston Villa, and they also had a very favourable game week 35 fixture against uh, against Norwich and, and beat them 2-0, condemning Norwich to, uh, to, to, to a season in the Championship next year, and maybe they'll end up staying there for a little while longer. Um Ollie Watkins was a player that we've been relatively high on and he was rewarded uh, with a goal. Pretty decent finish as well from, from what I've heard. Uh, clean sheet too for, for Matty Cash and he was a defender that we were that we were pretty hot on of, of, of the Villa defenders. Um, what, did we see anything from kind of Villa's lineup? There was a, there was a, a you know a start for a, for a youth team player in defence in the field that we haven't really seen before. Probably not going to trouble FPL managers. But um, yeah, interesting that, that Gerard seemingly kind of having trust in these young players and maybe that's going to sort of maybe influence things going forward. Well, I think the biggest takeaway for me was it was the same formation and front three, which meant that Ramsey was pushing forward again because ba- Bailey was on the right and um, Coutinho was on the left. So yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, Ings came on and by all accounts did did well when he did. Did he not um, come on quite early for Bailey? Because Bailey got another niggle again, or am I... Yeah, I think Ings did come on quite early, and I don't exactly know what formation um, Leicester, uh, Villa changed to at that point, whether it was like a two up front or whether Watkins went out left. But um, yeah, at least in the first instance, obviously, um, it, 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 you know, it was promising for Ramsey. So that if that is a knock, then obviously to Bailey, it will be... Um, Shame, because he really hasn't been able to get much going this year. He's had quite a few injuries, and he feels like he could be a, good, could be a decent player, could be a decent FPL prospect if he could stay fit and played regularly. Yeah, potentially. I mean, you, Gerard, you've got to think he, he must have been showing something decent in training for Gerard to start him two games in a row. So, yeah. Um, but like I said, for me, it's also it, the main thing I, I like about him starting is what it opens up for Ramsey in particular. Right. So, that yeah, yeah that's my 
that's kind of the key thing there for me. We, we you know, there wasn't a great deal out of out of Coutinho, um, despite him still obviously, you know, being an Eldon starter. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll just have to see what it means. Like I say, for for Ings maybe because he obviously scored, uh, you know, and we'll we'll have to sort of think what does that mean? Do do Ings and and Watkins start as a two as we've seen a few times again? I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. That you know, obviously they've got um, you know, with their double double. I'm sure we're going to end up talking about them. Although obviously Liverpool is is a you know, fairly difficult game uh, within there. Although for Liverpool that is just before the cup final too, so we could see see some rotation. But but yeah, I feel like Villa are going to be a team that we're going to continue to focus on. Um, Eddie and Ketia crept onto our radar. I've finally kind of given given you the green light to to talk about him having started in, uh, plenty enough games recently ahead of uh, Lacazette. Um, another 490 for him, which I found quite interesting. wasn't um, you know, didn't make way uh, for, for, for you know for for anyone else. Um, but it did get booking, so just a one point for him. And I don't think Arsenal created loads against West Ham, um, but I think he's had a fair few shots in the games that he has been playing in. And I guess the the major thing about him, Andy, at 5.5 million, is that he just provides excellent value for those looking to move funds into midfield or defence, which I think is something that we've advocated you know, most of the season and gives you a cheap starting striker option. This is, yeah, exactly that. Um, fantastic going into this double. Um, yeah, he, seemed, he he looked good as well. He looked lively. He he um, got a lot of praise in, in the commentary and the punditry, punditry for sort of, yeah, making those runs that lack, which we sort of were pointing out really. Like he's a different type of striker. He's more of a natural number nine than Lacazette, who was dropping deeper and providing for the wider players. And and so that's like a definitely a good thing for Arsenal and for Nketiah's chances of getting goals, frankly, as well. If he's playing a bit more advanced than Lacazette was, I suppose a true test is going to be. I mean that that with Tottenham and Arsenal both winning, there. I mean that that. North London derby is absolutely ginormous. Like I, as a, the one thing about United being out of the top four race that I can kind of enjoy is just watching that game as an absolute neutral and just loving it because it's going to be so intense. Like the crowds going at each other. I'm glad that we've got crowds back now, just even for the purposes of that game, because it is going to be absolutely class that I think it's a Thursday night football game uh, between, between those two North London rivals. And so I think a big, kind of um test i suppose from Ketia there is is will he start that game that you know it's a double game week they've got leads at the weekend then a few days later tottenham away will i could i could i think you've mentioned it before on the show i could very much envisage a situation where he treats lacazette as like the veteran the, the you know the more established we're going away to our rivals for, we're in the lead so we don't need to win you know a draw would be enough not that that'll necessarily be their mentality but, you know, we're going to our closest rivals in a tough game. Maybe I just play the more experienced one in, in that one. And that would obviously be frustrating if you bring Ketia in ahead of 36. But um, I suppose these are all ifs and buts and we just can't know. And so the signs of what we're seeing with our eyes for his price, I mean, you'd think he'd likely at least come on if he doesn't start. And at 5.5 million, if you get 120 mins in the double great game week, great. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And yeah, I do wonder how, to what extent Arteta's uh, lineup will be influenced by what happens in the first game of 36. You know, Arsenal are home to lead. You, you, you I mean, you're, you're going to back them to win that game, whereas whereas Tottenham are away to Liverpool, and you'd probably not back them to win that one. So, um, so yeah, if Arsenal go into it with what is it like a three or four point four point lead going into the North London Derby, North London Derby, and you know, maybe that would influence things. Whereas if it, if it wasn't 
um, sort of that sizable, may, maybe he would go with, with the veteran. But then Arteta has placed a lot of faith in youth. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be super interesting. But yeah, I think, for, you know, either way, I still think Nketiah presents value. And uh, even if Lacazette maybe starts as a veteran in, in a key game, you could definitely see Nketiah coming back in uh, later on. And as you say, offers them something different. I wonder if he'll end up staying in the summer. It'll be interesting to see where he, where he goes, if not. Um, I'm sure he's going to get linked to Palace. Like Seemingly all London-based players get linked to Palace when they leave a big four club. Well, seem more big six club, let's say. Um, final word, Andy, in terms of the radar, really needs to go to Man City. And uh, you know, as, as we've said so many times, head scratcher in terms of who's going to play for City. But we did offer some... Some uh, maybe not insights the word, but some 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 of our own thoughts, I guess, in terms of maybe thinking about the city's defensive double up. Given that I've got a double in game week 36, um, Zinchenko felt like a differential, but then he obviously he didn't end up starting uh, in game week 35. It was Nathan Ake at left back. Obviously, City have got an incredibly uh, important Champions League second leg tomorrow night. Uh, we're recording uh, what, on. On Tuesday, my days are getting confused because of the bank holiday. It is a Tuesday today, right? Here we go. Yeah, Andy's nodding away at me. That's great. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, they've got an important second leg tomorrow. Um, It feels like the league is secondary at the moment, but it shouldn't be. Liverpool breathing down City's neck. And, uh, yeah, I guess if if they get through tomorrow night, that is Champions League sort of done until the Premier League season's over. They're going to have to start starting their first team and, and, and winning games and therefore you can't imagine Ake starting too much longer a left back and I guess the question mark therefore is going to be how long how long is Kyle Walker out for to see whether Zinchenko continues to represent some sort of differential value and then going forward Andy it was a good week for, for Sterling another one for Jesus a start for Grealish but you can't see all of them starting in the Champions League and therefore well, they're probably not considered in City's best team yeah, well, we're going to have to see how Pep plays it, I think, between now and then. Um, it, You know, do, you, I think we could have a reasonable stab at what is City's first 11 if everyone's fit at this point. But, you know, even even with the, that Champions League kind of being put to bed until until after the Premier League, what's the guarantees? You know, we've seen plenty of times when there's only been Premier League fixtures for City and and Pep sort of rotated quite a bit because he he likes to keep players fresh and, and give the deep squad a chance, I suppose. So, yeah, uh, in, the, in those forward positions, I guess, um, as the season, as the games get fewer and fewer, it's harder because what you can almost justify with picking someone, say, like a Foden, is that over the game weeks, eventually he'll have more minutes than those other forward options. And so he's worth it. But then when you get down to two or three game weeks, well, actually it becomes even more vital to pick the one that is starting in that particular game week, because you can't console yourself with the minutes they might get in the longer run. So um, yeah, I, th- I, I guess the, the, we, we said all this during, really during, during the preview, but um, the, the De Bruyne, um, you know, be, being, not having Champions League to worry about, so let you know, and and being in unbelievable form, I suppose is is seems someone that's a great like option to maybe try and rely on because you you'd think there's no reason for Pet not to start him when they're in such a close title race. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And obviously, Cancelo feels, you know, that continues to be an obvious pick, but it becomes so obvious that we don't really mention him that much anymore. But yeah, he feels, you know, probably other than Edison, the most nailed for almost every game going forward. Um, so, so yeah, I think that just needs to be needs to be reiterated. Uh, let's leave it there, Andy. Let's take a quick break, uh, and then when we come back, we will be looking at a blankety blank and a top differential. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, blankety blank, Andy, high-owned player who blanked in this game week. And it could have been a number of players, but we've gone for one of the lower-owned ones that we could have gone for. Um, but it's an interesting reason that you've uh, sold it to me on. Uh, Mason Mount is our blankety blank this week. 23% ownership and one point. And then this is more about his record, I guess, semi-recent record, but also kind of over the course of the season. He seems to be a massive boom or bust player, and it was definitely bust in this game week? Well, I think we've given Mount a lot of praise um, this season and, ge- and generally, really. Um, he, Like we've said it a few times in the last couple of weeks, he's had 10 goals and 10 assists. So, so 20 attacking returns for someone who's around that 7, 7.5 mark. You know, that's that's really that really is good. However, yeah, as you say, boom or bust. I mean, he's had seven of those attacking returns in just two fixtures this season. You know, there was a week where he scored a hat-trick and got an assist and another week where he got a brace and got an assist. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, I, I think the number of hybrids and because of COVID congestion, the number of hybrids has increased this season has has, has obviously meant we've done less uh, blankety blank and top differential. And I think someone like Amount has really probably gone under the radar slightly in the number of blanks he's had. He'd have appeared on this more for us. And so we'd probably be, you know, he'd be higher up in our thinking as a as a blanker um, to put some numbers on it he has blanked in seven of his last 10 fixtures. And if you go back further, 12 of his last 17. So that both of those work out about 70%. You know, he's, he's got a blank rate of 70%. That's really quite high for someone who's the eighth highest owned player in the entire game. Now, yeah, part of that is to do with his price and you don't expect returns every game week um, from from someone that, that, high, that price. But I think you can expect better than like 30% returning in just 30% of, of, of fixtures. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, there was players higher owned than him, obviously, this game week who blanked. And, and you know, there's four, there's four others we'll, we'll mention in in the kind of, um, yeah, other kind of shouts. But it's um, it's the, the, the point here for me with Mount is that he has he's the one that's disappointed the most. I think his fixture against Everton, he, he started, he played the whole game. You know, he could have and should have done better against that defence. Chelsea should have been getting at least a couple of goals, you know, and therefore you'd you'd hope for an attacking return. Um, given that that's four attacking returns, potentially, you'd hope for at least one one of those for, for Mason Mount. There's there's mitigating circumstances, I think, for all of the honourable mentions above him. And and when you add it to that, like, record of, of, of such a high blank rate, um, yeah, he's the one that's getting it for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, you you kind of convinced me on this one just before we were recording. I mean, the two major sort of blankers this week were, were obviously Mo Salah 
and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Salah, 59% ownership of is kind of unprecedented, really, in FPL terms. But just the one point didn't start, which we kind of did suspect, Andy. And I think that sort of ties into your mitigating circumstances. However, what I don't think works in his favour for this segment is that he did come off the bench. And, and if, you know, if you had someone on your bench that ended up... Um, and he also would have had the armband from you know, from, from from a lot of players. Uh, if he, you know, him coming off the bench sort of meant that you, your vice captain wasn't activated, and neither was the person on your bench that would have come in. And if they you know, if they returned, then then you'd be quite disappointed that Salah obviously did come on for that sort of 30, 30 odd minute cameo. Trent, on the other hand, got zero points, so you know, one fewer than Salah, but almost in the, in a way that feels better. Um, and obviously his ownership is, is is about 20 points lower, only, I say only, at 39%. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess if someone literally gets a zero, I guess he, I guess in my head, he was more likely to start and therefore he, his blank probably maybe did feel a bit more disappointing, especially considering Liverpool also kept a clean sheet, which meant that he would have definitely returned had he played. Um, and Robbo started. So this feels like it, you know, it may be that he should have done or, or or had he done then then I guess you know he, he would have had that attack without a return I guess it's kind of justified to, to kind of feel disappointed by the fact that he didn't but at the same time I feel like Mount and, and the fixture and the fact that he is so boom or bust for his ownership maybe justifies his his, his sort of crown as top differential this week as the blankety blank but yeah Sorry, I yes, mean yes Yes, as blankety blank, and um, you know exactly. It's exactly that. I think. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I was as a Trent owner, I was very much hoping he didn't come on when I saw he wasn't starting because, yeah, it brings even though it was only for a couple of points, it brings someone off the bench, and um, I think after the game week we've just seen. Uh, in in the Champions League, we you know I think naively we we actually suspected Salah would start potentially but come off earlier, so maybe we missed that sort of slightly. But we there was at least a, we certainly were aware of a threat of Salah, um, you know, not um, not having that start. And so yes, yeah, it's, it's more more disappointing for Trent, definite um, for 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 Mount, sorry, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, really, what impact um, Luis Diaz has had in terms of the game of FPL and not even his him or owning him is the rotation now for, for, you know, for the, for the other kind of Liverpool forwards. And yeah, it went, when the drop off from a Salah to an Alex Oxlade Chamberlain is nowhere near as, 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 as large as you know the drop off from a Salah to a, to a Diaz or a Salah to a, to a Jota, then yeah, he is going to get rotated more than perhaps he ever has been. And and that's obviously going to impact things going forward. Uh, let's move on to top differential, Andy. And this was, uh, this was difficult, really. Uh, none of these particularly tickled our fancy. So we've gone with Gabriel, 8.2% owned, uh, 11 points in this game week. Obviously, it would have been way higher had, uh, had Arsenal kept a clean sheet. But he's got four goals this season, Gabriel. But his price is staggering, really, isn't it? 5.4% million pounds for an Arsenal defender at the start of the season I think that we would have um you know we would have been very very confused uh by that I'm not sure if he's had price rises and or if he's actually come down from five and a half um I'd be interested to to, to know but but yeah I, I, looking at the sort of other options that we could have definitely doesn't feel like a guy, a guy that we're going to be putting on our radar anytime soon given his price um, but still, four goals from centre-back this year, not to be sniffed at. And, yeah, he's going to get our top differential this week. He is, yeah. I mean, he did start at five, um, and, he, and he's come up steadily over the season. I think he had a run where he had a couple of goals within the 
the space of like about five or six game weeks and so there's like a couple of like rises there but um yeah he he again this was sort of a bit like blankety blank this was slim pickings really um i think many of these other honorable mentions are just complete kind of flash in the pans and we don't necessarily feel massively confident in gabriella as, as an fpl asset but ultimately i think with his um with playing for arsenal who have been better this season they've had a decent number of clean sheets i think it was like 13 or something like that clean sheets which is which is not bad and yeah for a center back i mean four goals is actually a fairly decent return um you know, so uh, he, 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 you know, he's shown that he is a legit threat from set pieces, not just, it's not just kind of like a, a one-off and actually both obviously Arsenal's goals were centre-back scoring um, at set pieces. So um, Arsenal clearly are like a, a consist, more consistent, reliable, I guess, threat in those, in those instances. So that, that um, I think adds to Gabriel, um, the, the almost legitimacy of him getting that this week. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess our, our, our honourable mentions, the slim pickings from which we had to choose this week, contained two Man United defenders in Rafa Varane and Alex Tellez, a uh, defensive midfielder for Brighton in Ibsbasuma, and then Danny Welbeck. So uh, you can see why we probably ended up plumping for Gabriel. Uh, swimming against the tide, Andy. Now we were swimming. We swam against uh, Jesus being the most transferred in. Yeah, this massively felt like an overreaction to his four goals against Watford. Um, obviously, he did end up scoring this week, but this did feel like a little bit more of a long-term one. And also, it's just whether he's going to start. And I guess had we known he was starting, we probably wouldn't have swum against this. Um, you know, ultimately, a, a City attacker playing against Leeds felt like it could have been a pretty profitable day. And in the end, it did sort of end up being so. Um, I'd just be interested to find out, I guess, or look into the future as to how many games he's going to start in for the rest of the season. Because I guess if you are bringing him in now, you're going to want to keep him in for the rest of the year. And if he doesn't end up starting the majority of City's games, then it still wouldn't have been a particularly justified transfer. Yeah, and and that's it. I think when we're doing well in these, we we do kind of make the point that it's over more than one game week, and so I think it's fair enough that we also say that here. Where yeah, no, undoubtedly, if you've bought Jesus Jesus in this week, it looks like a great move because a goal and two bonus and two bonus, like you're going to be very very happy with um with you know those those points. But uh, I think the the as we we can't know we couldn't know before this game week whether Jesus would start or not if anything we actually suspected he might be less likely to start because he'd been playing well and because he started in the Champions League semi-final first leg so um you know uh, I I think going forward we, we I wouldn't be surprised to see Jesus start in the burnabout I mean you can never know with Pep I guess that's probably the problem but um if if he does, what what does that mean for his prospects of starting the next league game? Um, and I think, yeah, there's what is it four I guess league games left for for City now, and you'd think Jay starts for Jesus could be two out of four. Um, so yeah, our point about having the eight and a half tied up um, maybe still stands. I guess there's someone who would argue that well you've got to have a forward and. If you get, I bought in Jesus, and he, if he gives me three starts out of five in the last five games of the season, including this one where he's got a goal and two bonus, then I'm not happy with that. I suppose if he's giving, if he, if he's spending eight and a half million on a, on a forward, and he starts three of your five games, he better score in those three. Like, yeah, I'm otherwise get get Eddie and Ketcher in, who might start 
two of five, or might only scoring two of five, or one of five, but he's three million cheaper. That, yeah, for me, that just feels like the the way to go. Um, yeah, Jesus. Like, if if you brought him in and he starts, yeah, as you say, three of City's last five, he needs to score in all of them for for this transfer to be worth it, in my view. Um, so if he does, then yeah, well, I'll eat my words, but or or not, I'll congratulate you on your excellent FPL foresight. But yeah, he. Um, yeah, if he doesn't start starting these games, or if he if he blanks in a few, then it's just just not worth the transfer. And and yeah, I, you know, if we judge this over a longer sample or a bigger sample size, i.e. the rest of the season, um, I feel like it will be, yeah, well, I guess we'll just have more to say on it than than we do in one game week. I but mean, if we'd have known he was starting against Leeds, then we'd have absolutely definitely, like, yeah, it, it's just we wouldn't have swam against it. We just wouldn't. No, of course, no, of course not. But that, that's the that's the beauty of of Pep Roulette, I guess, right? You could say that about any City player. And I think, well, I mean, we've doubled down more than what you know, we doubled down at least once this season already on a on a swimming against the tide. And and you know, I can see ahead of with that return again and a double against Newcastle and Wolves coming up. I you know, I could see. I wouldn't be surprised if we have an opportunity to double down in our thirty six preview either. Yeah, it's rare for us to do two, uh, swimming against the tide in a double game week because often, yeah, often the, the, all of the transfers in and all of the transfers out make sense. They're usually players that are doubling or play, and transfers out are players that aren't doubling. So it's hard to swim against anything. But yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. There's a fighting talk from from Chris there. Let's finish then, Andy, with, uh, with with captains. And this felt a difficult week. Um, obviously, we did tip up Liverpool assets at Newcastle, Man City assets at Leeds and Chelsea assets at Everton. Uh, less said about Chelsea assets, the better. So we can skip over those pretty quickly. Um, let's start with Liverpool. I guess the, the big question mark ultimately about Liverpool, and we've, we kind of covered this um, in the Blankety Blank segment, was you know, which of their superstars will, will end up starting and, and, and will it be Salah and will he play the full 90? Obviously, he did play the full 90 um, in, in, in their Champions League game. So, you know, we did have legitimate question marks over how much of the Newcastle game he was going to play. I guess maybe what we didn't think about in quite the same way was Newcastle's improved defensive solidity recently. Um, and that sort of come through in this game. Obviously, they did they did end up losing, but only by one goal to nil um so yeah maybe come some of the other games Newcastle aren't the walkover that you know, even against the best teams that we maybe thought they might be well I mean without recency bias wanting to like as affect the analysis here I think ultimately uh from what we're reading whilst we're recording about Liverpool's performance in the Champions League they look very jaded and I think it's reasonable to say they looked pretty jaded against Newcastle as well so I think that definitely came into it obviously there was rotation so you know I guess maybe there's not going about the rhythm of the team but I think also particularly like I say it's a lot of physically and mentally draining games for Liverpool in a short space of time and so uh, to grind out a 1-0 win in those circumstances against a Newcastle team who have been in form is is a good performance and it's hard to read too much, I think, for Newcastle kind of into it. It, it. You know, had they been playing Liverpool at like their full strength, rested peak, that would have been a better test of our Newcastle kind of more sound defensively. But I think ultimately it's been a long stretch of time now going back to when we watched them, um, you know, at, at the, the Olympic Stadium that they seem to... It's not like the defence itself is outstanding as such, but they just... They're such a well-structured and organised team that the kind of unit makes them like good defensively, I suppose, because yeah, yeah. 
they're, I guess the midfield's giving them protection. They're on the ball a lot more. So that's meaning there's less opportunity for teams to attack them. And it's kind of, yeah, all a whole a set of things like combined. So yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. yeah. They're just, as you say, better structure, better shape, better organization. And, and, and you know, I do think someone like a Dan Byrne probably does help. Um, and you know, obviously they've made a, yeah, some signings at fullback too, but, but yeah, I think, uh, it's a bit of a game changer, but but yeah, I guess you know on paper we we're definitely sort of looking for Liverpool to score more goals, and I guess the clean sheet if you if you captain the defender would have been would have still come off here, but as we said earlier, Trent didn't start, so yeah, it feels like it would have been um, you know if you if you, if you started and captain Robertson, then I guess that's the best we could have hoped for because we wouldn't have really been looking at Naby Keita being the guy this week, um, and uh, and yeah, obviously Mane blank too, so not. Lows going on. City assets, not lows going on, I guess, either. Foden, I guess, maybe being the the standout. Nine points for him, but ultimately, um, you know, Diaz top scored for City with, with, with 12. Cancelo obviously got a clean sheet, um, but it was also booked. So that um, sort of, you know, put a black mark against his name a little bit. Um, but ultimately, Andy, you know, whichever City forwards are going to start. And I guess we would have probably hoped for, for some... Um, maybe some def- more defensive returns too. Um, any City asset would have been a pretty good bet this week. Yeah, if you managed to obviously get one that that started, then then yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, it's something we've said probably I don't know twenty maybe more times in captaincy this season. That sentence really, if you if you if you can work out or know who's starting, then in pretty much most game weeks they, that that player has been probably a reasonable option. For, for captaincy and and yeah I guess that's that's how it's worked here. Boring really, isn't it? Just repeating the same thing over and over again. Um, yeah. I mean to be fair, Cancelo is probably the one we've let we've despite the ceiling being lower, you know, five five points is more than my captain got this week. Yeah, and so sure. you know there's, there's there's probably a lot of game weeks where I've had my vice on Cancelo and if I'd captained him he probably would have got more than my my actual captain ended up getting. So um it just feels a bit of a boring one sometimes to go for, doesn't it? But um, he's he's solid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Saka, we also mentioned against West Ham, he did get an assist, but was also booked. So just the three points for him, um, which feels like a blank, really, doesn't it? In a, in a way, it feels like if a midfielder keeps a clean sheet, um, doesn't do anything. But, you know, still, I guess, returns are returns. Um, the ones that we nearly overlooked, Andy, was Son and Kane against Leicester and uh, returns for both of those, but three for Son. Um, with an assist and two goals. And I guess maybe we definitely, well, we didn't in the end, but we were right not to overlook them. Um, another goal for Kane, obviously two, but ultimately Tottenham just took advantage of a Leicester side that did look jaded from uh, from playing in the Europa League and obviously had to rotate uh, as well. And yeah, I've put on our notes here that I think Kulisewski has to be in the conversation the same way that we used to do, you know, Sat- Mane, Mane and Salah and then added Jota into the mix. I feel like Son and Kane needs a Kulu in the mix now too, just because he's had so many attacking returns, although they are heavily weighted towards assists and they are goals. Yeah, which for his price is not no awful thing. But I mean, the thing that holds me back on captaincy particularly is because I don't think he's a terrible asset to necessarily own, but it's minutes. Like like he didn't start this game. I mean, he has started most of the games in fairness, um, but uh, I think there has been a little bit of rotation now and again. And and, um, he, if he doesn't start, invariably comes on and then you get the vice captain block. He comes out with two assists, so jobs are good. All right, well, yeah, you can't, I'm not sure you can rely on that, but I think maybe fair enough, depending on fixtures that they could be in. But I guess 
how many but people we're, we're, we're only putting Tottenham assets up when they've got good fixtures though right and I just think that he should he should be he should be in the same same mix if, if, I think if, I think no but my point was going to be though that if you what's how many people are going to only own Kulosevsky and so therefore surely you go for Son or Kane over Kulosevsky if you have like them as well right I could, I, I could see some people only owning only owning Kulosevsky because it does feel like it's a Son versus Kane Sorry, Asan versus Kulisevsky kind of... You're probably not going to have both of them because they're in the same position, right? And then you could have Kane, but you might not have moved on to him if you had Ronaldo, possibly. So, yeah, I can, I can, I can see there being some. Like, I'm hmm. not... Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, you're kind of saying, well, you've got to have sort of two or, two or none. And uh, yeah, I can kind of... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like... I also feel like early, earlier in the year, you may have had Kulisevsky and, say, a Doherty. So yeah, I guess it, it depends if you want to put twelve million into your, in, into your front line. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, this game week I'd much rather have had Son and Kulusevski, but just can't afford. So Kulusevski has always been that budget alternative. But he's got returns in weeks where Son's blank too, and yeah, you know, don't want it just to just be outcome biased this week. But yeah, I mean, he's uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to see the stats for how many kind of returns he's got versus Kane and versus Son since he joined the since he joined Tottenham, I think he's not going to be far behind. But as I say, compared to Son's goal threat, Kulisevsky's is definitely just more assists and therefore Son probably will end up with more points overall. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, they're a difficult one, Tottenham. They come out far in some weeks. They're terrible others and maybe it is all just down to their opponent. Yeah, possibly. And if they're at home and what and and whether they've had fixture congestion or not, I think possibly as well. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I say they've generally been better at home, but then obviously they they had that four 0 recently against against Villa. But um, I think yeah, they're they're uh, are they well? I'm I'm gonna I was about to say flat track bully, but I've got absolutely no stats in front of me to back that up. But that's almost what it feels like a little. Yeah, bit. it is a little bit. It is a little bit. Um. Anyway, let's uh, let's leave it there, Andy. Um. Let's have a quick look ahead to game week 36. Obviously, this is a pretty large double. So I'm sure, I'm sure on our 36 preview, we're going to be talking all things strategy, all things players to target in that have, have a double game week. Um, I guess it won't just be the teams that are double doubling as well, like our radar has kind of been focused on this week. Um, but obviously, four, four teams, one currently playing, there are big European matches before the, uh, before the double game week 36. So... Plenty of rotation, plenty of press conferences to listen to uh, beforehand. And yeah, much to think about for FPL managers with only three three game weeks to go. Yeah, well, for sure. And we've mentioned it a couple of times, but an example tonight, obviously in in Liverpool, um, in what sounds like a very bruising encounter for them. And so the outcome of that uh, could well have a big impact on who plays for them in the league, uh, despite the fact they have managed to get it pushed back a little bit. It's Sunday, Saturday evening, so they've got a little bit more time. Um, But if they have extra time tonight, which at the moment is what they're on for, uh, yeah, that, that's going to put some some minutes in some players' legs there. Leicester, West Ham in particular, have looked very jaded um, the, in the Premier League this week and have like those kind of more intense, obviously, games. Uh, both of them have to go away. In fact, were all four English teams at home last week and now all four away this week? I think that is the case. Yeah, I think um, so. So again, that that adds another layer of complexity that they've got the travel as well um, and a, a brutal kind of intense game that, that could well go to extra time for all of them. So yeah, all that stuff to watch out for. And then on the other end of the double game week, for also for Liverpool, but then also Chelsea, um, the, the cup final 
Um, and and so for the second fixture for for Liverpool um, in particular, and maybe the one for Chelsea, yeah, you've got to think about potential, um, yeah, save saving legs um, and and players for for that 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 cup final. Absolutely, save legs for silverware. Let's start that weird sort of alliterative uh, alliterative phrase. Anyway, Andy, let's uh, let's leave it there. Um, if our if our loyal listeners have any questions or want, would just like to get in touch, just to say hi, how can they do so? They can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. Great stuff. And uh, yeah, do remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, obviously, we're recording this one on the Tuesday, partly because of a, uh, of a bank holiday. But we will be back very, very soon. We will be back on Thursday with a look ahead to our big game week 36 preview, where there are plenty of doubles and plenty of things for Andy and I to talk about. So, Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. <laughs>